Yuki Chords. So today on Kip Koke talks to his friends. Uh, I've got Edge Recording, Edge Smokey Tiger, The Nedge, Cool Dude, and you get to hear it. Recording now. Really, like, even for my own sensibilities, you know, I'll have like a series, maybe 10 songs or something like that, and then I can listen to it endlessly for like three months. I'll go home by myself, listen to it, and just... It's like your like, own tracks? Yeah, like it's like a personal therapy, you know? I spend hundreds of hours on those tracks, right? Like mixing them, making them all perfect. Then after those three months or whatever goes by, and I can't even listen to it anymore. <laughs> it's done, and I have yeah, to make more it's of it. It's done, and it's gone, and then you make more. That's like a whole thing about... that's. I tried to explain that to a bandmate one time that part of recording is a release process. It's about it going away. Yeah. You did it. You got that. Because um, all my songs are actually secretly about like things that troubled me in my life. And then I wrote, I made art to remove it from me. Yeah, it's like taking a poop. It is. It's like a spiritual, mental poop that, uh, you know, you get what you needed from whatever that substance was, and then the the art is the is the dregs is the is what's left over. You know, and then then once it's out, it's like ah, nice. It's out now. The dregs. You can look at it for a bit. You can look at it while it's in the toilet for a bit and enjoy it. You'd be like, that was a healthy one. that's exactly what creating art is and then if other people want to look at it wow that's even (laughs) yeah but that's for me that's a side issue if they enjoy it then wow that's amazing but uh you're looking at my own poop that's what if you like that then that's that's (laughs) i'm sorry you can't craft poop like this (laughs) no it's very true though i um I literally just have to record an album this winter, otherwise these really good songs that I wrote are going to disappear. Yeah, and in, in, in this time of tribulation, um, our poops are looking good. You know, like there's the, the I felt, I, I made this album just at the start when it was all first starting and there was kind of like a shock to it, super uncertainty. I mean, there's still uncertainty, but it was, it was a disruption like no other, you know, especially in Winnipeg. We just keep chugging along, maybe because we're so isolated. Things happen out in the world. Yeah, we're, 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 an, I, we're an island in the middle, a land island. That's what I've always called it. Just like, we're just like, there's nothing else. You know, 9-11 is the only other one that that's comparable. We, we saw it on the news, and then everyone was like, oh, I can remember seeing it on the news. Wow, this is amazing. Like, it's unbelievable, shaking the entire world. Wow, you can't fly. Flights are stopped. But other than that, man, in, our, in my entire lifetime, there has been nothing that has disrupted things, you know? when I As actually, much as yeah, COVID has, you mean? We're in a full disruption. Like, I went to, uh, it was when I went to the grocery store, and I realized, wait a second, I have to stand in line for groceries? That was at the beginning of it. That was when there was like a, 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 a disruption in the mind. 
and wow, that's perfect for the creative process. You know, that's like, a lot of really great stuff came out right then. What's his act? What's the the author's name? Um, the guy who wrote Infinite Jest, Wallace, whatever, something Wallace. Um, he has a line that's just like, or he has a whole, basically like a short story about how waiting in a queue is death. And I kind of agree with him. But it's also so weird, like, the, the weird rules, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I followed them. I have no problem doing that. Yeah. And the, the biggest struggle is to, for myself at least, is to not get engaged by any of the sides too much. To not become obsessed, you know. I've looked at all the information. I looked at the QAnon crap. I've looked at all the... I've looked at every side. And, I mean, the truth has got to be somewhere in the middle. But whatever it is... I decided that I need to just take my mental, at least my mind, out of it and my emotions. That, that That's what this time, I think, is. It's just a time to hunker down with yourself. And make some tunes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Um, I never attach my emotions to the news. I feel like that makes a toxic... Uh, like, a toxic person. That's how you build a toxic person. I mean, the, the emotion, I, I think fear is an emotion. Fear is a very so there's, prominent there's, emotion, which is weird. And there's fear on both sides. On one side, it's the fear of catching the virus, the fear of this deadly pandemic, this fear of, oh my God, I have to wear the mask, fear of, uh, you know, fear of your anybody getting close to them, your, any enclosed space, you're afraid. But then the other fear on the other side is fear of, the government, a fear of the laws coming down on us, restricting our movements, restricting, you know, our and freedom. also, we're like essentially something that I've always loved about North America and living here as opposed to Europe is that we are all kind of cowboys, we are all kind of pioneers I guess or just like there's a feeling in this on this island Turtle Island that that we're allowed to be free more than other countries I've visited like we're allowed to be free we're allowed to make crass jokes we're allowed to be ourselves here more than other cultures and I, I I've, like, my cousins call me Crazy Kip, the European, the ones who grew up in Europe. And I'm like, I'm not crazy. I'm just, I'm more free. And, the, and I think I agree with that. And that's a, that's a North American thing. But it's also specifically a Winnipeg thing. You think you know? so? Oh, for sure. Because um, everybody here has their spirit, their artistic vision. And in Winnipeg, because of our isolation and because of our, um, because of the intensity of our climate, I think that we come together and allow everyone to have their own thing. There's not much competition between bands or between whatever, right? Everyone's got their own thing. And we've got the best reggae act. 
We've best got the best Smoky Tiger Act. We've got the best... <laughs> Definitely the best act. Smoky right? Tiger Act. But if we were in Toronto, there'd be like five Smoky Tigers that I'd be competing with, right? I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think anyone could compete with you. I uh, I really don't think that's the thing. It's different from Toronto, though. You know, Toronto, it's, it's a competitive thing. Everyone's jaded. Everyone's kind of like in this cynical type of... Kind of same with Montreal, yeah. But like... So, like, when you get, like, I go to festivals, I get, like, a free pass all the time just for being me. Winnipeg Famous, yeah. Winnipeg Famous. So you, you're, like, extra Winnipeg Famous. Oh, come now. You and I are, are probably equally on. on Equal, the, equally Winnipeg, Winnipeg Famous. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, it's not a competition. No, it's not. We all it's embrace each other. Actually, I've always wanted to do uh, a uh, an anonymous... Um, paparazzi Winnipeg thing where you show up at a gig and then like you take secret pictures of people their fashion and then you make a magazine where you're making false stories about what they've done like oh, oh I saw like, Kip and he was like I saw he was dating Rami Mays or whatever you, know? and then like, make, <laughs> you could probably find that photo somewhere <laughs> and make it totally anonymous and like really crude and crass and harsh yeah, just like know? but it's so fake it's actually a great idea it's a really great idea. I uh, I have I have this idea that I want to get everyone who is Winnipeg famous together to do like a "We Are the World" I've song. Heard that, I've heard JD was talking about something like that too. But what song would we sing? That's well, I would write it and make money off it and generate <laughs> it to a charity, you know. But like, oh yeah, it's JD been Edward it's been my there. yeah get, get like. Yeah. Just like a We Are the World. Dancing Gabe's in there. Yeah, Dancing Gabe's dancing <laughs> in the video. It would be actually very easy to do and hilarious. Yeah, because, I mean, we're also so insular with our entertainment, too, right? Like, I would be so entertained by that, right? Everybody in Winnipeg would be so entertained by that. Outside of Winnipeg, nobody would understand or really or get it. Or really care. <laughs> but, like, we could... Like, we've basically already, already done it, like, with, like, I, I think I'm on, like, some track of some, like, JD had me over at, like, uh, Matt Peters' is like, jam space, and, like, I recorded piano on it for him, like, we're already so enmeshed that, like, we could do this really good joke and take it seriously, but... No one else is in on the joke, just just the musicians. Yeah, and it has to be something irreverent, you know, and that's kind yeah. of Winnipeg. That's if there's any style that I could define from here, it's irreverence, right? Because we couldn't actually be singing something like We Are the World or something, oh something as straightforward no. as that. It would need to be something, first of all, specific to Winnipeg that nobody else would get. Right, talking about Garbage Hill, talking about like the the, uh, the Golden Boy and all this stuff. It's like it's like a cult. We are in a cult. We're, our city is a cult. Actually, I'm surprised that no one said that before to yeah. me. We're we're a weird old we're a weird old cult. Cool it's like, though. It's like Jamaica. You know, like reggae just spawned out of this tiny island. That all of a sudden, everyone just decided wait a second let let us play the opposite on the opposite beat syncopated rhythm every yeah. other music has ever been made and they just they all decided this on this tiny little island 
And all of a sudden, it's like spawned out of that island this entire new branch of music. That's going to happen in Winnipeg, man. What do you think? Okay, so I actually have been formulating this thought for a long time that lightning strikes in a single place in the world at one time and then everything explodes out of it. And Winnipeg kind of has that going, maybe not right now, but maybe in my circle of people that I know it is going on right now. Do you know the lore about the Knox Church? No. Let's you, hear. you know the Knox Church in Central Park there? Yeah. So there's the Knox Church, and then in Central Park, there's this turret from Knox Church. Because when they were building Knox Church, in the middle of building it, lightning struck and knocked that turret off the building. And the, that's still in the middle. Like, I haven't been to Central so, Park I, in like I, seven yeah, years. I, I don't know if it's still resting in the exact spot where it laid. <laughs> But I think they kind of like put it in like a more convenient spot and then put a plaque under it. But that's another piece of Winnipeg lore for you there. That's great. Knox yeah. Church is something special about that too. There's always they always have new age stuff going on there, crystal healing and kind of weird stuff there. Not not to uh, tie new the new age movement with conspiracy theories or fascism <laughs> and uh, anti-Semitism, which it seems like what they're trying to do nowadays. Okay, but. Do you think fascism is like really happening as much as people like to say on online? Yeah, I mean, I tried to. You know, this is one of the reasons that that I had to disengage from the, the social media. Is somehow I wandered into a anti-fascist Facebook area. And then I don't didn't know much about the anti-fascists or fascism, but I just started kind of entering a dialogue. And then they were <laughs> they made memes out of what I said to make deeper anti-fascist memes. Because <laughs> essentially, I said, uh, "Are you maybe using fascism, the term fascism, in order to dehumanize people?" Right. Like, is any police officer a fascist? Is any uh, business owner a fascist? Uh, and then I had to look into what is fascism, right? I don't really know what it is, to be honest. I mean, it's something kind of specific to Nazi Germany and Mussolini's Italy, right? It's like complete totalitarian government that's, that's really tied towards um, nationalism, right? But so, it, like, what we've seen popping up lately. But also, that's one thing about Winnipeg is I don't think nationalism is going to ever take a strong hold, like, here. I don't that's know. Thing. We're still kind of on the outside of the whole struggle, you know? There might be, like, uh, 20 anti-fascists have a rally somewhere, or there might be... 20 anti-maskers have a rally somewhere, right? But it would be different if our, if there were riots and burnings in the streets. Like, it's crazy in Minneapolis there. I love that city. That's our twin city. You know, like, it's a twin city, but it's our twin city, you know? It's the same uh, northern, central northern, you know, they had Prince as their guru. They had, like... <laughs> Prince Bob Dylan is from there, you know. Like yeah, he's from uh, whatever that Duluth town is, Duluth. Yeah, it's, it's a central vibe. It's 
Yeah, it's like it's also really. I've never had more good times than I've had in Minneapolis. Maybe. Some about America is actually there's a lot of good things about America, a lot of good things. Yeah, it's a damn shame that um, you know the politics and things that are going on there. I mean, it's it's flipping over. The, and that's the thing with uh, Minneapolis. It was the, the the starter point from the whole Black Lives Movement thing, right? So it started, and um, power to the movement, right? But then three months or four months later, they're still looting and rioting there. Like, and it's not. It doesn't seem to be any kind of political agenda. It's just. Let's break into the Adidas store and steal a bunch of stuff. It's Let's like, do what we can do. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not there. So. Me neither, you know, and I'm just watching these videos on the internet and I'm trying to, you know, that's how we started this interview, I think, is I'm trying to, like, stop watching YouTube videos, I guess, and watch more Kip Walrus videos. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> I, I record them myself. Also, if you ever want to do a video... Um, I have a camera, I edit, hmm. I would be very happy to film a Smokey Tiger video. Yeah, well, you and I should collaborate, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever, you're familiar with the Magnificent Corpse concept of, uh, the Dadaist and, uh, Salvador Dali, where they'd, um, they'd create an art piece by blindly, one person would create one piece next person would create another piece and, that, and then blindly then they put them together to create i've done this a process yeah i've done this process with some fellows it's like okay i it, it's like a democratic process so it's like okay uh we flip a coin okay i get the first three chord structure so no one gets to look at the first picture yeah i mean then there's different yeah there would be nobody okay we've got this structure that has been diplomatically arranged this these are the chords these are these there may be the chorus kind of roughed out there okay now let's smoke some weed you do some write the lyrics and then i don't know what your lyrics are right and then i write the lyrics for the next part of it and then you just tie it together oh so like david Bowie, like cutting up lyrics throwing them in the air and then saying that's how they arranged yeah kind of thing yeah and then as, and then as a as a way to get together with another musician it's kind of a good uh yeah songwriting so yeah just like random songwriting it would be fun i'd do it and it's amazing those types of the thing what might come out from that thing it's almost like using the ouija board where you don't really know you know you kind of open yourself up and as soon as somebody else is involved especially if you're not really that familiar with their process and you kind of create a randomness out of it. It's like using the I Ching. Sometimes amazing uh, things might come up. So I'm just going to assume that you you believe in more than the physical. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, um, you know. Last weekend, uh, I went out on a boat with these people, and uh, the one of the people on the boat had had this uh, chemical, five MO DMT, and oh, uh, so like a, a sweet drug. Yeah, like uh, they had got it by using falsified information in order to get this clinical 
you know, and then they got this unlimited amount of this substance, DMT. It feels like DMT is the cornerstone of all other drug experiences. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, so I consumed that, and then I was on this boat, and then the next thing that happens is that you're, you're looking around, you're seeing what's in the world. When you close your eyes, the, 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 the screen that's always there when you close your eyes, when I close my eyes now, it's just kind of a staticky, you know, not much going on there. But when this, and you must have experienced some mushrooms or any psychedelic, all of a sudden when you close your eyes, there's a completely very fascinating tumultuous vision shapes geometric shapes spinning in some kind of vortex that you're looking at it and it's extremely fascinating like more fascinating and real than when you open your eyes right right and also dmt is the drug that your body makes when you die so to know that yeah i mean all that science is up to conjecture about the nature of that chemical but i mean i think they've proven that yeah it's created in our body and it's like flowing through our body all the time that's why it's unlike any other chemical i've never i've never tried that one not to say that i haven't tried a lot of drugs um you've for sure tripped out though right oh like more than a billion (laughs) times (laughs) i am uh I'm a fan. I'm a fan of losing my uh, reality. And you must have experienced that visual. You know, it's weird because you describe it as visual because part of it is with your eyes open, but a lot of it is with your eyes closed, right? Even LSD is kind of like that. And it makes me think that everything else with mushrooms or acid or anything else, it's all part of tapping that dmt that's already inside of you right yeah it starts coming out i don't think that um our society or our culture or our civilization has come up to speed with what we've simultaneously discovered about the dmt molecule i don't obviously not no our society in our culture is very behind in every every sense of the word of behind like people are still living like victor or thinking like victorians that's how i feel except for technologically we're technologically extremely advanced but i mean it depends on how you describe technology because the shamans described what they have as a technology it's a technology it's an internal technology Looking within, yeah. So you're saying we moved external instead of internal, where we should be going internal, less external. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. In some type of utopia, I think it would be a balance between the two. But in, uh, in yeah, I mean, in the long picture it really seems like we're forsaking our internal technology in favor of this external technology you know like all all our phones it's basically like an esp thing a a global like uh, super conscious where we're all connected that thing exists already right like you and i if if we were in tune enough i could be reading your facebook updates in my mind 
right? Like it's like a, this is a technology that we have in our brains. It's already there. Yeah, I am extremely, uh, I believe in the, the collective subconsciousness 100%. Um, and I don't think that I can be misproved on that. But also, I know intuitively that I can just like be like, "Hey, Andrew Courtnage, I can talk to you." Like, like the way I pick people to uh, interview for my my show, it's by I understand that they will be happy doing it. Like, I don't ask everyone. And is your uh, perc- your that perception where you are? perceiving those cues is that coming from your having seen me experienced me in real life or is it from my online presence right uh real life right yeah see and the 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 social media has become like an externalization of a faculty that we already have the problem with it is it's an externalization which is um being controlled being manipulated by an outside force or by computer yeah. a program an algorithm but yeah like I'm just like I know Andrew's a safe person to talk to so I'm gonna go talk to you and also interesting and also I'm like I've known you for I don't know how long I've known you but I've known you so I ask people that I know <laughs> like and also like yeah we have like fun uh, every time I see you at like a festival or whatever it's just like which is usually where I see you because that's the nature of being an entertainer I'm just like there's Nidge. Boop. Yeah, and the festival's like this um, this uh, control of our gatherings and, and this um, shaming of people coming together and enjoying themselves is very alarming to me. I can understand that. Um, I, I have a problem with the fact that I, the one thing that like my whole, my whole year is basically like waiting until summertime for me to like flit and socialize with everyone. Cause I love like, just like popping in here and there getting like just the little bits and then going and talking to someone else, and I'm not allowed to do that anymore. And it actually really upsets me. Like, this, it's, it's hurting my brain. Yeah, this is a fundamental aspect of humanity. The, um, I recently picked up a book. Um, it was an ancient Greek play about um, the cult of Dionysus. Like the wine drinker? Yeah. The so, party boy. Yeah. So there's a, there's a Greek city, and they're all kind of uppity, right? Mm-hmm. And then Dionysus comes to town with all these uh, 
you know, he's got dancing ladies and he's drinking wine and all this. And the people who are in charge of the town are like, oh, we don't really want you here. You know, you, you're, uh, you're a little bit too wild. This play was written like, you know, Greek, the Greek, all these Greek texts are from the beginning of, they're the, they're the originators of all of our philosophy. Yeah, Western our, thought. So th this, this fundamental aspect of humanity, of just letting go, of becoming intoxicated, of listening to music, and having the catharsis that comes from that, is a fundamental aspect of humanity, and to block it out um, is like very the, dangerous. Like the Catholics want to do. And you know what it... I think that blocking out that that free movement, that free dancing, that free love even, is to say like if you would, um, is really bad because it leads to secret bad behavior. Whereas opposed to if you were just allowed to express this animal in you, because we are animals. Um, you could just... People, it makes for a happier society, period. Like, and we're, it's like, I'm not saying like animals being like we're bad or anything. I just mean like, I need to fucking flirt. I need, I need that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, uh, I, I've been to Burning Man a few times and Kip, I want you to come with me next time if there's ever an opportunity to go there. But yeah. uh, when I went there, I saw that there's a different uh, vision for humanity. When I went there, it feels like this is what humanity was meant to be like. Creative, expressive, um, frivolous, you know, nonsensical. It doesn't have to make, it doesn't have to be uh, pragmatic all the time. No, it doesn't. You're right. And you're a good creature for that because you have like, you actually um, push that all the time. Yeah, I mean, when I when I read this play by about Dionysus, I just felt, wow, this is my god. You know, <laughs> this is what <laughs> my whole life. This is what it's about: is creating cathartic experiences for people. You know. Well, he's my god too, and you know, he like Bacchus, the Roman name. Um, he would just run around with his team and have fun. Yes. And there is nothing wrong with having fun. And I I hate the way that a lot of people make me feel about um, that I want to have fun. I want to enjoy a moment. I'm never irresponsible, but there's a moment for fun and that's very important. It's very important to the human psyche. Like, there's this parable, and I'll deliver I'll try to make it brief, but there's a... The, the Buddha has arrived in the world, and so there's a pilgrim who wants to go visit the Buddha. So he starts on his path to go see the Buddha. On his way there, he passes through a desert. In the desert, there's a dude meditating on an anthill. He's got these ants eating him, and he's meditating in the middle of this desert. And so he says, ask the pilgrim, how long do I have to meditate here until I get... Ask the Buddha. How long do I have to meditate here before I get in line? 
And uh, the pilgrim's like, yeah, okay, I'll go ask that. So then he, the pilgrim keeps walking, and he gets to this oasis. And in this oasis, there's a dude there. He's got all these dancing ladies. He's drinking all this booze. He's having a sweet time. And uh, uh, the pilgrim's like, yeah, I'm going to see the Buddha. And it's like, the guy's like, well, ask the Buddha, how long do I have to do this before I get enlightened? So the pilgrim is like, okay, yeah, I'll go ask. So he goes to the Buddha, gets this information, comes back. He gets to the desert guy first. And uh, the desert guy is still sitting there. He's naked. He's got his ants eating him and shit, or, and stuff. And and he, how long does it take to for me to get enlightened? And the pilgrim's like, Buddha said that you have to keep doing this for seven more incarnations before you get enlightened. And the guy's like, well, so be it. And he starts meditating even harder, right? All right. Then he gets to the, the next he goes to the, the oasis, and this guy's still having the greatest time. He's got all these naked ladies everywhere, his boobs hanging everywhere. He's having the greatest time ever, right? And then he's like, Pilgrim, how, how long do I have to do this in order to get enlightened? And the pilgrim just shakes his head. He's like, buddy, I asked the Buddha about you. And the Buddha said, you see there's this fig tree right here? For every leaf on that fig tree, that's how many incarnations it's going to take for you to get enlightened. Oh, no. Not a tree. And the, and the, then the guy's like, really? <laughs> Yippee! <laughs> and he just, he just goes for it. And in that moment, he was immediately enlightened. <laughs> That's an ancient parable. Um, I like parables. Yeah, and whether enlightenment is a thing or reincarnation is a thing, I don't know. We'll never know. I actually had this talk today with my friend earlier. Oh, we will know. <laughs> we we'll, will. we'll find out. Yeah, we'll <laughs> find out. Yeah, we'll have a deathbed. Yeah, we'll know for sure. And I don't know, sometimes like all these altered states and drugs and, and that kind of gives you a little bit of a glimpse into what I always kind of feel like I have one foot in the ether and one foot in reality. And um, I don't trust either of them. Yeah, I mean, you were saying earlier about how uh, you never have any money. I don't have any money either. It's always the same thing. I'll make money, and as soon as I have it, I'll spend it. I'm always kind of at an equilibrium of of money. Maybe I'll, I'm in a negative because of credit card debt, right? Yeah, same, same, same. <laughs> but this type of... But it's going down. <laughs> I think this is, a, this is the holy way to be. I mean, Jesus himself said it. He couldn't have been any more clear. It's just as easy for a rich person to get through to heaven as it is for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Pretty explicit. Well... Yeah, I know that for a fact that if you want to be rich, you have to be an asshole and steal. There's no honest way for a man. Like Bruce, like Bruce said, I got debts no honest man can pay, and I've always had those. What was that? Bruce? Bruce Springsteen, yeah. 
Hmm. What is Atlantic it? City? Hmm. Um, I got Death Snow on a spanking pet, and it's a real line. Wait, what is the line? I have debts, no honest man can pay. Hmm. I mean, I've been living in uh, the red for my whole life as an adult. It's fine. Pay it back, get it again. And that, and that um, compulsion to gather material wealth and to pile it up seems to be the antithesis of antithesis or whatever of it's being a human yeah. or a spiritual living yeah it's or human really you yeah you're right um because i'm happy to share everything i have i'm happy to share like and also everyone i know is happy to share so it's uh, it's confusing the idea that you would want to amass anything. I had an opportunity, very unusual opportunity, to work for personally for Peter Nygaard mm -hmm. in my youth, where I went to Peter Nygaard's. Uh, Nygaard Key in uh, Nygaard K or whatever in uh, the Bahamas. And I was uh, uh, sculpting uh, artificial Mayan ruins for his Playboy mansion there. And then every once in a while he would come to town or come to the key. And then when, when he was around, everyone was like, oh, watch out, Nygaard. And then you know who he was there because you'd hear him just barking at and uh, then he'd stroll in, and it was like seeing a demon. And in, in my life, I've never seen or been or perceived of pure evil as I have as Peter Nygaard. And I've also never perceived directly that type of wealth. And so I've necessarily tied those two things hand in hand. Wealth and, and, and evil. And demon, being a demon, yeah, that makes sense. I grew up in um, in a house with um, a father like that. Where like money was, and also like we would have to turn off the TV and run and pretend we weren't watching TV, and like always make sure like no music was playing that wasn't the chosen songs. So like, it's really, it's really like, there's a, the world is full of these people that want to control things, unfortunately. And our job maybe as artists is to say, hey, it's crazy out there. Yeah, I mean, you, you used the word human uh, earlier. It's like, uh, this is human, this is inhuman, you know? And yeah, that's a, I often think about that. You know, like when I was talking about Burning Man, that's what I saw was that, wow, this is what humanity is supposed to be. And this thing that's 
um, subjugating us, that's trying to control us, that's trying to stop us from having fun, trying to stop us. This is an inhuman thing. But if it's inhuman, then what is it? You know, is it... Uh, and then you get into a religious thing. Maybe it's more human than human. Um, more human than inhuman, I mean. Um, I just... Because I want everyone to be themselves. But maybe the most human thing is to make people not be themselves. And that's working on the principle that if everyone were to be themselves, it would be good. Or they would be not, they would not kill other people, they would not be cruel, they would be um, pure and creative, that this ideal version. But Are we like, well, that's a nature versus nurture conversation, um, which will never go away. But I do think that people were taught to be cruel. I like I like to believe that. I might be wrong, but I do believe that, or I want, I don't believe it entirely at all, but I want to believe that people were taught to be cruel and not just born cruel. But listen, I got my kitties. <laughs> I got two really excellent kitties, and they uh, come and I snuggle with them every night. And then uh, during the, during the evening or sometimes during the day as well, they'll catch a mouse, they'll catch a bird, and they will be explicitly cruel to that mm -hmm. that other creature. They they will they will relish in the suffering of the creature and give it as a gift even. <laughs> yeah, I also have the cats. Um... But somehow, and this is this gets into another philosophical argument. I feel humans are separated, are separate from nature, because we we have the ability to like I could, if I saw my kitty doing that, I could say, hey kitty, I would stop it from from allowing that other animal to suffer, and I think that's unique. That's a unique attribute of humanity. Humans are not. Um, we're not animals. I believe that. I strongly we're not animals we do not behave like animals do we don't like my cat like every day knows when i wake up knows it's going to be fed waits at the food bowl i make my food for myself like it doesn't like i rely on myself I don't rely on, my cat relies on me and wants my pets, and he's he's a really good cat, <laughs> don't get me wrong, I love him. What's his name? Fox, Mulder. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, basically I got him right when you were recording the album at my house, and huh. I was watching the X-Files, <laughs> so I named him after the X-Files. <laughs> Dude, this is a segue, but... I was thinking about the X-Files, like, as a part of this whole COVID thing. I was thinking about the X-Files. It's like, what about the X-Files? There's something about vaccines. There's a huge, like, and bees. <laughs> and bees! All very, like, kind of modern problems. 
Yeah, and, and you know, it was about something about the vaccine. About and then I so I looked into it. Like I couldn't remember, so I looked into it. And it was about you know because even with my buddies, they'll say I'll be having this conversation about the vaccines and all this. I feel a little bit hesitant. I don't know why about mm-hmm. if the if and it's kind of the thing that's being sculpted about this whole scenario is that the only solution is for all of us to comply and take this vaccine. I'm not going to take a vaccine. That's the thing. So I kind of I've already feel, had enough vaccines. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel reluctant myself. I don't want to be an anti-vaxxer or whatever. But I'm not an anti-vaxxer at all. But, um, but like, but why are we reluctant? What? What? Why would we? What? What is a suspicion, right? And so I looked into the X Files back files in order to mm-hmm. think it did, and it's that they were putting something different in the vaccine that we didn't suspect. They were giving us the vaccine, but they were also giving us something else. And I don't know, that sounds like very much a conspiracy theory, and I don't want to be, come across as a... You're not a conspiracy theorist. No, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Neither are you, bro. No, not at all. <laughs> I've I've got all the vaccines I need for, like, polio, measles, and all that shit. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to take... I've never taken a flu vaccine. Also, everyone, remember when... Uh, the spine flu happened. The only people who got sick that I knew got the vaccine. Yeah, this I mean, is my fifth pandemic. This one's like more serious or more treated more seriously, but this is the fifth pandemic in my life. Like, yeah, and like even even if I had never looked at any conspiracy theory, it's just the concept of losing my my sovereignty as an entity in terms of health i feel that i was born that that the entity that i am with my body and my mind and my spirit and all that i have a an ability to withstand viruses to withstand germs i have a system that was like really complicated that science doesn't even understand like we're really really good at this we're we're an entity that can withstand that that throughout our evolution we have had uh, viruses germs come at us and then we've built the system in order to withstand them the reason i'm reluctant to accept a vaccine is that i don't want to have an intermediary between my entity and my ability to withstand these things i don't want to be reliant on some kind of technology some kind of outside technology in order to withstand these things I don't think you have to. In some ways, I would rather die. I would rather die and let my ancestors get a get a better, uh, like get a, their immunity to get better. Right. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we've given up that sovereignty, where we're we need this outside thing in order to be alive or to survive, then I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist or a religious nut, but it gets into the book of revelations and the mark of the beast the 666 thing right where it's like they they, you need to have this mark you need to have this thing in order to do business mark cain yeah in order to travel in order to do anything you need to have something that's been given to you by the institution or the government in order to live or to survive i actually kind of think that's funny it is the mark of cain you have to be cain's brethren to um carry on in the world because if you don't do what everyone wants you to do then you're bad 
mean, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, not an anti-masker. I'm not any of those things. I just think that it is the Mark of Cain. It's the, it's Genesis. Yeah, and I'd have to like look back. I'd have to read the the book of Revelations again. But for some reason, there's something in there that's like, you don't want to have that mark. <laughs> you, know, you don't want to take it. No, because so, like in because like, you kill your brethren. Yeah, like in order like in order to survive in the material world in this world, you take that thing. But in order to get to the next place, and I believe there is a next place, I you need to it. not accept it. But now we've gone completely anti-vax, anti-mask, anti <laughs> Okay, those people. How much longer do we have on this podcast? I don't want to get too deep into this to tarnish my name or do like. <laughs> no, you can't tarnish your name. You're already. Everyone already knows you're. You're thinking about things. That's what it really comes down to, is and also like. There are people who do like who like to explain things is like I'm critically thinking and I have them on my feed but also they're not critically thinking you're you're like fairly liberal yeah, I, I don't I want to use the term yeah, I mean I don't want to get pigeonholed as anything and that's the the what's that this is the environment now where there's it's so polarized where you're either one or the other there's no way there's no nuance between them right mm -hmm. and uh that's freaky because the world is nuanced you know the i mean this is the whole concept of uh, like zen and and the left and the right and the black and the white and the the yin yang is that um in order to transcend this shit you need to not be polarized. You need to see both as being this constantly struggling thing. I mean, this uh, latest debate was a classic example of it, right? I didn't watch it. I don't want to. I know it was bad. Yeah, you have these two sides that are just, they, they're so insular against each other that they can't even have, they can't even communicate. It's just things going directly against each other without any communication or any middle ground. From what I saw, they weren't even middle, like, they aren't even against each other. From what I saw from, like, just, like, a few clips, they aren't against each other. They're, like, the same person yelling at each other. <laughs> it's like if I just spent a whole time yelling at the mirror. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, kinda, I feel bad for both of them. Because it feels like neither of them knows what's going on, man. They're these old men. But they've got these two uh, polarized sides backing each of them. They don't know what they're They're the asking. same polarized sides. They're just stupid wieners. I'm really embarrassed. <laughs> for the whole country, essentially. Yeah, and I mean, for our whole civilization. I mean, like, I'm, like, you and me are not the same person, but we can sit down and have a fucking talk. Also, I'm not supposed to swear, or anyone is, but whatever, no one gets mad at me, but. How much time have we got on this podcast? I need to take a leak. Yeah, I gotta take a leak, too. Um, we, can you handle four minutes? Without a leak? 
Yeah. Can we take a break and then go back in the, the closing Actually, arguments? No, because I got to play your song. <laughs> I got to play your song at the end. So anyway, and then I got to cut in um, some stuff. So okay. we're basically done. We did it. We talked. Bro, I love you, man. Yeah. You're, I, always, I always appreciate you. And yeah, there we go. And that was my friend Smokey Tiger. Andrew Cornish, and we're gonna go out with this song from his new album called uh, Shell. And then we're gonna hear me do the Yuki Doors. And this is Kip from K Talks to his friends.
Yuki cards.